0: Welcome back to Not in the True Crime Podcast. I'm Danny Murphy, and also me and Sarah, we were just me we and were just talking. We are ships passing in the night. I was out last week. Sarah is away this week. I mean, January is hard. People say, you know, it's the new year, new me. I'm a big February believer for that. I feel like everybody was sick, so I was down for the count, but now I'm so much stronger, and I've been through so many Kleenex tissues, and I'm very excited for that. And I think Sarah is on a very well-deserved, chilling vacation. But we will be back together next week. I'm mad Sarah isn't here because she would love to talk about this scam with me. But I'm excited because I feel I just want her to listen to it because I think she would just like love the story in its whole. So I'm glad that hopefully this will be for her flight home. She can have some entertainment because we are talking about Melissa Caddick. And if you're like, who is she? That's fair. I didn't I wasn't as familiar with, I knew her story more than her name. And I had to go not just across the pond, but across a few ponds to Australia for this. Because I feel like, you know, sometimes when you're like, when you're looking for inspiration, you got to be like, where? I need to leave. I need to just spin the map, spin the globe. I don't have a globe, but it'd be very fun to have one in my apartment. Maybe I don't have that much space in a studio apartment for an ostentatious globe. But if I did, I would be spinning it my finger would land right on Australia. And I'd be like, let's dig into what's going on over there. A little bit about Melissa. She was born on April 21st, 1971, day before Earth Day. And she grew up in a suburb of Sydney, Australia. All the kind of uh, ideas and everything about her early life. Like there was some, some people were spilling a little tea about her. Uh, It was comfortable and middle class. And before we get into all of the research and stuff about her i just want to shout out cnn.com theguardian.com and (laughs) smh.com i swear it's an actual website but i just laugh so much it's called smh because i was shaking my head at melissa i want to thank them all for the research because i got all of this information from all of those different sites so if any of you are from australia and you said i got something wrong (laughs) smh at smh you know what i mean <laughs> so her dad worked in reinsurance and her mom was a secretary in a physiotherapy practice uh a lot of people did also make note that like her mom like held down the fort at home i don't know if that meant emotionally financially mentally but shout out to mom uh they also smh really i i feel like i'm going to be saying the title of that website 55 times this episode because i'm just obsessed with the title they don't their punches they let they let their thoughts they let people kind of give their unfiltered thoughts about melissa from start to finish the first drag came from when they talked about her in high school i almost like sometimes there's it's sometimes hard because it's like do i care about how people were in high school in regards to future crimes that they commit it is sometimes it's very telling and sometimes they just really so that's why i always read it because i'm like okay maybe something sparked there that like there was a teacher who was like, hey guys, so this is how you steal. <laughs> I, honestly, should, would I have learned more from that than Homek? I still don't know how to turn on my oven really that successfully, so Homeck did not last that long with me. But they just said in high school, <laughs> nothing about her stood out. That was a direct quote from S- Like uh, the, uh, uh, <clears throat> Again, so casually cruel in the name of being honest. They also went on to say, it's shocking how average she was in math because of her future career in finance and et cetera. But her ambition was to be a ballerina. And then they go on to say, hey, let me stop right there. How many people in middle school and high school, they want to be a ballerina? They want to be an actor. They want to be a singer. Sa- you know, they people, people could have those dreams. <laughs> they said not just that she was delusional. Uh, they said that her body type did not correlate with her dreams because she was short and stocky. I mean, why do I need to uh, – SMH really just said, oh, she I, – I think whoever wrote this probably was part of one of the people that she scammed, spoiler alert. I, I don't know that for sure, but I love – they're just going really personal on this. Like they mentioned, she could not become a ballerina, so she went to Patrick's College in Australia to do secretarial and biz admin courses. And this school – because I was kind of like, what does that mean? So this school was established in 1923 by the Sisters of Mercy – begging me for mercy <laughs> i would go there just to sing a duffy song and then promptly leave uh the college's original aim according to its website was to help young women gain employment in sydney's corporate world by training them to be personal assistants and legal secretaries this i feel like the only main connection i have to this was like sort of like madmen vibes you know what i mean so she was ready to live kind of that madman lifestyle to this day this school's a, still kicking PCA aims to help graduates land the perfect jobs, equip them with "quote unquote" modern business etiquette and deportment, dress sense, and overall professional prestige. It's kind of it's kind of like class. It's 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 just like I guess you can like learn shopping tips and everything like that. I'm like I'll go there for style techniques. I don't know. Um. So this kind of uh, people say that this school sort of really is a big framing method for Melissa because they feel that the essence of it, like be better, appearances, everything like that was really important to her for the rest of her life. And they also said that the the motto, either the best or nothing from the school, is something Melissa really took to heart. And you know, sometimes scammers, they don't just happen to just be at a place and think, oh, let me start this at age 30. (sighs) They're scams. It's a slow burn. A slow burn of scams that can go down she, her scamming, I mean, I guess, I don't know if Patrick's College planned this, you know, if it's like, apply some makeup to your face, apply some makeup to your resume. <laughs> and what is, maybe it's Maybelline, maybe it's some fake qualifications. So she said in her resume that so she had a degree in finance from the University of Technology at Sydney. And I mean, I, let me just put on record, I am all for fluffing a resume to get a job. Do you want to say that you helped your company secure a deal? If you worked there at the time a deal was secured, aren't we all? Aren't we all helping to secure that? You know what I mean? You can fluff and stretch and judge it up a little bit, but a full fake degree, I don't know. I've never seen someone pull that off successfully. I mean, in, in my day-to-day life. I mean, who knows? Maybe I could be getting duped. I don't, I don't really know. But um, this is not, no, I'm not calling her out on this podcast just because she couldn't be a ballerina and she lied on her resume. Another thing to note before we get into all the things that she did, she is kind of once bitten and twice shy because, I don't know if this was her inspiration for more revenge, she was scammed in her early 20s herself. And it was a romance scam. And not kind, kind of. You know how me and Sarah did that episode a few months ago, or is it a few months? I, who, who knows? I think it was like September, so I guess that's more than a few months ago. <laughs> but um, she got duped by love. She was living at home, and she began dating a man she met at the pub in the city, as you as you do. And then they realized, like the man would have slumber parties at home. She, it's, it's cool, mom, uh, and also the. She was in her 20s. (laughs) Uh, And then money and various things were just starting to go missing from the family house. Huh. The family then hired a PI, private investigator, and her parents discovered the man was a con artist who had previously preyed on naive young women. You You hate it. You hate it. You hate it. You hate it. And when they confronted Melissa with this, she went berserk. She was like, I don't believe any of you. That's my man. She, full Tammy Wynette, stand by my man. She was like, that. I'm riding with him until dawn. And then she ran away with him. <sighs> she ran away with him and then she almost pretty swiftly uh, took one step at a time back home because she returned home after he maxed out her credit cards and uh, he, he got what he wanted from her and did not need her anymore. So she was very distraught. feel like she kind of was going through a crisis and everything like that. And then her family, her family and friends are kind of like, oh, God, is this what made her realize like, oh, I'll scam like the rest of them because let's get into exactly what she did. I'm Betcha's co-founder Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. She got a job at the NRMA, which I'm gathering is like the AAA, but for Australia. And if that's not an accurate comparison at all, please blame Google. Not me. After that, she joined a boutique investment bank doing admin because uh, someone she met at the NRMA got her a job there. And I'm also obsessed that this is a subgenre. It's like, are you an investor? I'm a boutique investor. Is that kind of just like when you... like? Shop at small stores? I know it's not, but I love that. It's like, do I want, I kind of would prefer my money, my $50, (laughs) to be in a boutique investment than a big bank, because I feel like they would care for it more. And I'm sure that's probably their charm that lures a lot of people in. She got a little tempted at the boutique. (laughs) Who does? I mean, just when you walk into a boutique and you're like, do I need a $30 hat? No. It's in front of me, though. A hat did not tempt her, though. So only after six months of being at this boutique, she was hired in 1998 for some uh, framing. Six months after that, they found out she stole $2,000 from the company by forging her boss's signatures on four checks. Someone from the firm's interstate head office queried a discrepancy showing up between invoices and payments. I kind of love Anywhere But America. It's like, I had a query about the discrepancy showing up. I'm like, oh my God, that's how it's serious. It's not like, hey, where's the money? <laughs> when copies of the checks for the suspicious payments were located at a National Australian Bank branch in Pitt Street, it became clear that Caddick had been forging these checks. Because she was 27 at the time, people said she kind of was just looking like, blink, blink, what? <laughs> and this is actually, uh, Australians are so nice. And I think they were wanted to avoid embarrassment. They were like, we can escalate this to the police, or you can pack your things and go. Clearly, she, we all know what door she walked out of. Um. So she said, "I yeah, thanks. Um. Please don't telephone the policia. I will just be on my merry way." It's also they said that it's kind of like important to note that because this kind of ties in with what she does next and what she was doing before about dressing sharp and everything like that. She always dressed well. So that, I would take that. I also want to add that in because she was getting dragged left and right in high school by smh.com that she was too short and stocky to be ballerina. Well, now she's dressing impeccably. And then she just packed all of her stuff into a designer handbag and peaced out, which I kind of love as a mic drop moment. Not loving that she did this, but mic drop. Her boss was also kind of like shocked she didn't even ask or like offer to repay it. To me, I'm like, why would that shock you? She was just stealing from you, and now you're like, you would think she would... Did you think her heart would grow three sizes like the Grinch? No. How do you think she bought the handbag? You think she still has the $2,000? Yeah, this is 1998. Handbags were cheaper. Not that much, though. Almost immediately afterwards, she got a job as a financial advisor. Huh? At Wise Financial Services. Not so wise to hire her, uh, which was a subsidiary of ING, a global banking giant. This is also... Such a moment of if they did press charges and get the police involved, this would be on her like record. So I don't think Wise Financial Services would be like, let's take a chance on the girl who just stole $2,000 from her company six months after being there. <laughs> but because it was all under the table, they were none the wiser. <laughs> also around that time... Again, SMH really is keeping t- – I think SMH was a subsidiary of Jenny Craig before Jenny Craig went out of the business because they also said around this time she started losing weight and getting fit. This reminded me of that Drake lyric, like you started dressing up and going out more or whatever. Why Drake lyrics come to my head? Because I'm a millennial and that's what people make Instagram captions a lot when Instagram captions were still a thing. Uh, so this she comes into her place here because her personal trainer, hence the Getting Fit, introduced her to another one of his clients who was a well-regarded financial advisor who was looking to train someone up as an office manager at this company. So word to the wise. If you're looking for a job, I guess you have to go to a personal trainer. (sighs) That's a hard commitment. He recalled that Melissa was super bubbly and super efficient. After a couple of years, she did her uh, requisite training uh, to move into financial planning. She did brilliant work and the clients loved her. So she got... (laughs) Maybe she was like, she learned her lesson. She worked her way up from, you know, being the office manager to financial planner. And in 2002, she borrowed $750,000 to buy a 25% stake in the business, which, again, was owned by this huge, giant company, ING. So she really was doing the thing. You know, I mean, good for her. Could she have stopped there? I mean, of course she could have. But then she would not be having an episode of Not Another True Crime Podcast about her so as the kids say she was getting the bag you know she was securing it she was rich fit money in 2003 she was even featured on the cover of a trade magazine independent financial advisor i haven't picked up a copy of that but maybe i will now i also wonder if her old boss saw that and was like huh <laughs> or like, was like, should I reach out to Wisen? No, I'm just gonna let it be. He's the, the little boss is focused on keeping his side of the street clean, which I do respect at a certain time. He also maybe did not even see this. They also said that she was in her trademarked red Chanel lipstick. Melissa, love that you love your red lipstick. I don't know if that's really a youth. Like, I feel like everybody uses red lipstick, but yes. So, so the magazine was titled A Wise Choice, Australia's Best Planning Practice. Another magazine featured her eight golden rules for finding the right advisor. So she really was kind of everywhere and like heralded as like this financial genius. She, she went on to say, like any profession, financial planning has unscrupulous operators, she warned in 2004. She was like, be careful of pyramid schemes. No matter how great a deal might look, it was vital for potential investors to check that their financial advisor was accredited, qualified, and ethical. Pause for just the laughs that you will be laughing when you know just how the story ends. Accredited, qualified, and ethical. Hmm. Quick spoiler alert, the next time she was featured on that magazine, about 17 years later, it was for a catastrophic breach of her own advice. Melissa Caddick, the sole director of wealth management business, uh, has been barred from removing assets held in Australia and from leaving the country as ASIC investigates concerns that she was providing financial services without an AFSL, Australian Financial Service License. Uh, had she used other companies' AFSLs without authorizations and had misappropriated investor funds? So she kind of just was like, "I, I, I she, she... she Maybe she was like, guys, I warned you. Double check. Did you double check with me? You know, maybe she was the same with that. So how did we get to her double feature? (laughs) At Wise Financial, it was uh, Melissa's failure to grasp the importance of compliance and ethics. Huh. You don't say. And that would be her undoing at this company. So she wanted to be able to recommend property and shares in which her clients could invest. But due to strict compliance rules... And concerns that professional in uh, Demetri insurance would be voided if bad advice was given about shares or property plays. Financial advisors could only recommend managed investment funds to clients. So she kind of wanted to be like, do that under the table stuff of like, okay, you could put it in this fund or buy this ha- or like she kind of wanted to like play a full 360 game, which is not allowed. Again, I don't have financial funds, so I don't really know any of the. N- details of this, but that is not allowed. So any rich person listening, be careful. <laughs> uh, so she lost the insuring battle to be allowed to recommend shares to her clients, leaving the company in December 2004 uh, because she was just over it and she was like, I'm done with the industry. She's done. She signed a five-year non-compete clause and got her 750 k back and left the firm in its entirely. She started uh, fibbing a little bit saying that she departed there with an $86 million deal for devising a program to manage uh, superannuation funds and selling it to major financial institutions. So she was like, now I'm just rich, rich. So I'll just maybe do financial (laughs) advice to my friends out of the goodness of my heart to help people, to help you. And this is where I want to warn. If a rich person who isn't Dolly Parton says they want to help you, Sleep with two eyes open. That's all I have to feel. That's that's my feeling on it. Another lie. She said that she got a massive payout because of a sexual harassment suit. Also not true. Kind of interesting that she was just lying to multiple people about the same stuff. Like I'm like you, you could have. I don't know why she just didn't stick with the one. I'm like 86 million. You know who knows? Whatever. So she's on the road again because she's no longer working there. She also, just as an aside, had a crazy divorce where like she also lied to a lot of people. We don't have to get into. I'm not SMH.com. I'm not trying to drag her personal life through all of the mud. But she had a kid, got divorced. She told everybody that her husband had this job in London, so he had to work there. He's like, what are you talking about? She's like, he's never home. He's like, I'm trying to commute back and forth. Uh, she like kept on being like, I'm just going to watch all of our accounts too. Took a lot of money from him. Took a house. As Seinfeld would say, yada, yada, yada. And now she's on the market for some more money moves. <laughs> The first client that, well, friend turned client turned victim, Joanna, her friend. Joanna just sounds like such a trusting name too. Her pitch to Joanna, and this is the pitch that she said to a lot of people, was, since I'm already making money and buying and selling my own shares, that's no problem if you want me to do that for you too. I I really don't mind. It's just an extra button. Why don't you just hand over everything to, to me to manage? So Joanna was like, okay, you're my best friend and you make a lot of money and this is your job. Why not? So she gave everything that she had invested, saved money, gave it to Melissa on October 10th, 2012, and then Melissa did not stop there. She later convinced Joanna to liquidate her share portfolio and hand the proceeds to invest to her too. Then also was like, "Hey, Joanna, what about your parents? What about your siblings? What about your like nieces, nephews, anybody?" I'll take them on. Why not? I got. T- I have time. So she really was kind of making it go through all this. So then she started to have the web expand of just family, friends, and family friends, and friends of family. Giving her a lot of money. And then her life started to look even better than before. This also is that time she got married again to a hairstylist. And through this lavish wedding that people low-key didn't realize they were paying for it because it was their money. And we have to break down exactly how she did all of this. She made herself appear more exclusive by telling potential investors that her books were full. Melissa's like, I'm so busy, but let me check back in a month. And then she'd call and say, okay, you're in luck. I have like one, I can take on one client. You're in or you're out. So people immediately jump at the chance. They were sent a seven-page financial service guide for Maliever, her company, in which she promised to maximize clients' outcomes while working within the law. If you have to tell me you're working within the law, I feel like my red flags would raise because I'm like, o- as opposed to? You know what I mean? <laughs> Curious, curiosity. Instead, she breaking the law by operating a financial service business without a license. Under the heading of, on this r- waiver she sent to people, Your advisor's experience and qualifications. She also lied about her achievements, something she's been doing for her entire life, including that she had a master's of business and was a certified member of the Financial Planning Association of Australia. I hope, just for a nod to the OG fans, that the same that she went to the same school, the Technology University, that she lied about when she was like eighteen. I hope it's the same school she's lying about now, because have some have some pride in your alma mater, faux alma mater. You know what I mean. Once accepted, investors deposited money into the Commonwealth Bank account, and for each new client, she then created a bogus ComSec share trading account. These fake numbers featured six-digit numbers where the genuine ComSec account numbers have eight. Again, I feel like that's something, if someone told me, like, oh, this is your account number, I'm not counting the numbers of my account number. You know what I mean? Not only did she forge her client signatures when required, but when a justice of the peace was needed to witness that other signatures were genuine, she also forged the signature of her father-in-law, Roto Coletti, a justice of the peace. So she's getting everybody involved in her mess. So this was all about like 2012 or so. 2013, 2014, business was booming for Melissa. So her brother, Adam, has a lot of university friends, and one of them was a doctor. And she got into doctor money. She got a group of surgeons in Perth to join her money moves. In April, despite her actual net worth being only $600,000. What what a poor lady, $600,000. She passed off her investor's money as her own and was able to obtain a $4 million loan from the National Australia Bank to help purchase the house of her dreams. Because her company hadn't been established for long, her brother had to help her get financed, and he was listed as owning 1% of the house. So now he's in the paper of this messy house that she can't even really own or afford. Well, she can afford, but not in above-the-laws ways. Only four days after her $6.2 purchase of the Walanga Roadhouse, the family jetted off to New York for Easter, because where else to celebrate your new Australian house than New York? They spent July in Fiji, then it was back to Aspen for a month over Christmas. On one occasion, uh, when the snow was poor in Aspen, they just went up to Canada to you know, follow the snow. i That's so many long flights, too, from Australia to do all this. Ugh. It was just a lifestyle that she was living and only living more, more large. So on top of the extravagant holidays, or she took PJs and limos, she had... Chanel, Dior, Valentino, Louis Vuitton. One time she even spent over $54,000 at a shoe store. Just shoes? You know what I mean? At some point, I feel you're buying some boring flats. Not saying if you only wear flats, flats can be cute and chic, but you're not going to spend $5,000 on them. You know what I mean? What are we doing here? More than $200,000 was spent on jewelry, and in 2016 she used investor funds to buy her husband a like almost $400,000 Audi. From Audi to Audits. (laughs) So between October 2012, 2012, it's been a year. It's been a year. It is just barely February. (laughs) But between October 2012 and November 2020, it was believed she misappropriated a $30 million in funds from clients who are primarily friends and family. Where is the love, as the Black Eyed Peas once sang? Come on. As clients invested money, she, you know, fabricated these portfolio statements and created fake account numbers to show her investors when returned that they'd achieved, making them falsely believe, "Oh, wait, we're thriving in it." They were like, "Oh, this is this is amazing. What could go wrong?" Well, let me tell you what could go wrong. So in 2016, one of the Perth surgeons was going through a bitter divorce. Where's SMH's story on that? Because I'm curious. And asked Melissa about making alternative arrangements for the trustees of his self-managed super fund, which, you know, divorce is messy, divorce is money, you want to keep everything in check. So she was kind of like, oh shit, I know how money moves and how to make money moves when money moves. She was like, this ex-wife would probably be trying to hire a forensic accountant to look at everything. And so she immediately liquidated all of his assets without consulting him and returned his funds. That's, you're like, suspicious? Because like, what? She's like, you yeah, just take it. Yeah, just take it. Best of luck on Hinge. <laughs> and then in September 2019, this is where she got messy because she was dealing with friends and family, but now she, when she got into the pot of just like doctors who don't know her, yeah, they're going to check on some stuff. So in September 2019, another surgeon in Perth and his wife were about to invest with Melissa. And when his wife started raising concerns about her trust fund details and how the account would be run, her husband received a call from Melissa saying she was putting his possible investment on hold as her husband's cousin had died and she needed to attend his funeral. That is a mad libs of an excuse. And we also could all learn something when we want to get out of plans. Hi, excuse my husband's cousin passed so now I can never return an email for the rest of time. (laughs) Like, cause it's not like, oh, give me a week. It's just, we're done. We're done. We're, we are done here. So, this was the last time the surgeon spoke to her. Meanwhile, the wife contacted the Sydney woman whose financial uh, service license kind of was just like uh, being used by Melissa without her permission because she was using a financial service license, just not her own. So, it was not long after this that the ASIC received the anonymous complaint. So, we think this is where all the chips started to fall in a way that was not how Melissa would like them to stack. In January 2020, so gosh, she had a 2020, so right before, did Australia have COVID? Yeah. Uh, I was like, because New Zealand's always like, you know, we locked everything down. I think Australia had to deal with it like us. remember when Lord was like, yeah, guys, I didn't really have to like do a lockdown. I was just in New Zealand. I'm like, that must have been nice. (laughs) Uh, Love you, Lord. The family went to Aspen, where their three-bedroom apartment at North of Nell, rented, not owned, as Melissa would tell people, look straight into the mountain. Meanwhile, they just like owned a bunch of stuff everywhere with all their friend's money. A friend organized a lunch to introduce her to another owner in the building, and then she was like, I'm sorry, I, I can't go to lunch. I've been hit by a snowboarder. You'd think she had would have, because like this is what happens with... Scammers, they never think the walls are going to close in on them. You don't even have better excuses at the ready than my husband's cousins and I was hit by a snowboarder. But okay. So Melissa was getting very suspicious, very anxious, everything like that. This also is where Melissa met a woman who was like, oh, I might want to invest with you. So Melissa initially was like, sorry, my books were full. But then she, she did her classic move. Oh, I have a spot. The first investment of 1 million had made such a handsome return that by April she'd invested a total of 2.5 million. And then in August 2020, this woman struck up a conversation with a fellow patient, like, hey, I'm making bank. And this woman was like, I'm a financial advisor. And the other patient was like, You shouldn't be doing stuff with Melissa uh her license is fraud and the asic has been notified uh-oh that's the perk of getting your teeth cleaned sometimes you can get your banks cleaned too that same day the investor called melissa was like hi i want my money back because i found a house to buy good save at six twenty-two am the following day melissa emailed her telling her she would make more money investing in shares than in property funny how her tune changed from when she was at wise financial uh, but my mid-morning, Melissa was like, "You know, just, 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 just take it." The uh, investor was like, "I can talk to my someone else in the business. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I could do something like that." And Melissa was like, "Nope, have it, have it, have it." She got her full two point five million dollars back, but also her fake returns of three hundred thousand. So everyone, she's the one person who made a profit off of Melissa. So good for her. I, 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 yeah, she got she got clean teeth and three hundred extra K. So the walls are officially closed in. The first, so just like a little bit about how all of this was falling down. After the tip-off from the ASIC, everyone, they were kind of like, Melissa knows it's illegal to operate without the license. That just requires a $22,000 fine and two years jail. She lacked the requisite qualifications to apply for one herself. So then she used her former friends. The friends said no, but Melissa was like, no. Did you say no or no? Oh, did you say yeah? Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. I'm just use it. So the friend didn't know at all that this was happening and continue working. And then uh, when Melissa referred clients to her friend for insurance, brooking services, and then Melissa also used her own life insurance, was done through this person, everything like that. So the web, I think Melissa had a losing game from the start because you were using your friend's license while also kind of referring your friend, but also trying to pocket all the money. was not going well. So then in June 3rd, 2020, another complaint arised, and that's when they were like, okay. They, more, they know everything was closing in on her. They thought she might get wind of what was going on, so they made a preemptive strike. So, November 10th, 2020, they made an urgent application to the federal court to freeze her assets and seize her passport. Application was granted, kind of obviously. And the following day, the Australian Federal Police raided Craddock's home in Dover Heights. And in the 12 months since the initial unheeded tip-off, she pocketed $7.8 million dollars not to count for the decade before that. So that was November 10th. November 11th, the federal police had shocked her, her husband and her 14-year-old son, when they arrived at her home with all their search warrants. Over the next 13 hours, she watched as an endless parade of her previous clothes, handbags, shoes, and jewelry were taken away. Despite the tumultuous events, when Joanna texted her like, hey, you want to get lunch? Melissa was like, great, kissy face, kissy face. The, the insanity. At 5.30 the next morning, Melissa's son heard the front door close. She'd left in her running gear with no phone, no nothing, and her husband told the police, I I don't know where she went, and she was never seen alive again. So now we're getting suspicious. So on February 21st, 2021, a shoe containing a decomposed human foot was discovered washed up on Brinda Beach on the southern coast of New South Wales. Brinda Beach. I kind of want to go. That sounds nice. Just south of like the area that was like 310 miles from where Melissa was last seen. The shoe matched her size and fit the description of the footwear she was seen wearing during the raid of her home in November 11th, 2020. DNA testing, samples gathered from her toothbrush as well as family members confirmed that the foot did belong to Melissa. So this is where a lot of theories are now starting. I mean, of course you hear something like that. Everybody is sort of running, oh, running the gamut of everything. A criminal investigator said, this doesn't mean she's dead because you can live without your foot. Another detective said she might have done this to throw everybody off her tail. Her husband was like, maybe she was set up, you guys. Oh, poor sweet hairstylist. And some say, like, again, this was just like a decoy, like, you know, to get people you know, not not trying to find her anymore. But in February 2023, an inquest was told that the police concluded that she probably did die after jumping from the cliffs that Rodney reserved uh, about 1,600 feet from her home. In May 2023, the deputy state coroner declared her deceased with no cause of death. And of course, the ASIC dropped all 38 criminal charges against her then. What I'm wondering is if, because you remember that life insurance guy in London who faked dying on the canoe and then was found Living like the attic with his wife, I, I don't. know. I, I think we know. I, I think I, I don't think she's hiding somewhere footless, but a lot of people still have that theory going strong. But just to summate what went down with her, so between 2012 and 2020, she convinced more than 60 people to entrust a combined 30 million dollars of their savings to her sham wealth management business, Maliver none of which she was actually investing on their behalf. Of the $30 million, only about $7 million was returned to clients, leaving like $23 million unaccounted for. Most, if not all, of her victims were her family and friends, many of whom lost their entire life savings. She even cheated her parents, Barb and Ted, her older brother Adam, aunts, uncles, cousins. She ripped off her friends she had from childhood. E- everything done, and her family is saying, like, we... Her family's kind of in the boat. Like, if she is alive, we're not mad. We just want to talk. But everyone is kind of just like, damn. Duped with really no way to get returned. So, I mean, that is the story of... Maybe this this is a lesson that ballet should let more people in. Because if she just got to become a ballerina, none of this would have happened. But alas, people are $24 million out. And there's a lot of theories about what went down with Melissa still going on to this day. Let me know if you have any theories or if you've heard of this or if you, anybody from Australia was like, yeah, I got scammed. Always let us know in the Facebook group, Not Another True Crime group. You could follow the podcast at Not Another True Crime on Instagram. You can follow me on Sarah on Instagram. I'm at Danny Cashmere with a K, And Sarah is, of course, Sarah Lamim, And we will be back together next week, Ugh, reunited, and it will feel so good. Not Another True Crime podcast is produced by Jorge morales Pico, Sean Kilby, and Rebecca Sosmakat. Editing by Jorge morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at Not Another True Crime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send all of your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.